0: All right, welcome, glad you've joined us today. It feels good to have a few more seats in here, a few more people, and I'm glad you've joined us online if that's where you are today. My name is Nathan, this is Emmaus Church Community, and it's a privilege to be able to gather for worship together this morning. If this is your first time with us, I hope you'll uh, grab a card on your way out, like a communication card, and just hand off contact information that'll help us to introduce ourselves well to you. And we send out a weekly email, Uh, it's very brief, updates for the events um, in the next coming weeks, and so that's what you'd be signing up for if, if, uh, if you choose to do that, add yourself to our list. Raise your hand if you like a Bible, we'll hand one to you, we're going to continue as Melissa said in the Lord's Prayer, you can find that in Matthew chapter 6, the first uh, gospel, the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, and then we'll be in chapter 6 for the Lord's Prayer, we're going to continue in this series um, together this morning, all right. Good. glad you glad you planned. woke up, rounded the kids up, did whatever it took to get here and our prayer as always is that this is going to be a really powerful and helpful morning together. so big idea today is this God gives us what we really need. God gives us what we really need. When I was in college, Um, I wore these brown cotton shorts and I wore them a lot. And so by the time I was a senior in college, they'd become very thin and in fact, the seat had completely ripped out of them. But it was okay because I fixed them with duct tape. Yes, and I love these shorts. I gotta tell you, I enjoyed wearing them. They were a bit of a statement piece. Um, And the statement I was making was essentially this. There's plenty of clothing in the world, right? Why spend money on more clothing? I'll just use the clothing that people give to me. And it was all working really, really well, I thought, until uh, I spent a few days at my future in-law's house on the way to Mexico to propose marriage to Carmen. This was the visit in which I made the famously poor impression on my future in-laws by wearing, yes, by wearing my duct tape shorts. So my father, my future father-in-law, he asked me to get in the car with him, and I thought we were going to go get a taco, but he took me to some department store, and that's where he bought me a new pair of brown shorts. (laughs) And I was embarrassed, and I didn't want to wear those shorts, but the truth was I needed new brown shorts. Um, My my future father-in-law gave me what I really needed, A few months later, Carmen and I are in a pre-marital counseling meeting with our mentors. I love this couple. I still do. They were so encouraging to us. Lyle, who was a professor of mine, was leading the counseling, and Carmen and I were working through a point of conflict, and at one point, Lyle, who was always so encouraging to me, uh, I'd been in his classes for years, he would often say things about me that were encouraging, he would um, lift up my abilities, he would admire my writing, but he looked at me in the middle of this counseling session, and he said something to me that was very critical, and It stung. He, like, zinged me with this, and it hurt my feelings. I did not like what he said to me. I still remember the exact phrase 25 years later, actually. Um, I didn't like what he said to me, but he gave me what I really needed in that moment. And then a couple years after that, Carmen and I are finishing our first year working at a church in Sacramento as youth pastors. It was at the end of that first year at the church. We had lost our first son, and I had coped by working nonstop. And one day my dad called. I was in the office, and he called me there and simply said that he'd made arrangements for me and Carmen, my wife, to go to a friend's cabin in Tahoe, and we went and we slept for two days. We just slept We didn't recognize how worn out we were. We didn't realize how um, tired we had become, how deep we were grieving, how deeply we were grieving. But a few days together was what we needed. We didn't know we needed it, but my parents gave us what we really needed. Friends, big idea today is that God gives us what we really need. Jesus teaches his followers to pray and to live knowing that God gives us what we really need. So just a few comments to start off here. We're several weeks into our fall preaching series, which is a play-by-play analysis of what this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. A couple observations as we begin. First, there's a lot of content in this prayer. It's a short prayer. It's just an address, seven petitions or requests, and then a close. But there's so much content packed into so few words here. In the petition or the request that we're going to look at today, give us this day our daily bread. Several whole doctrines are in play. The doctrine of God's grace, of God's provision, of humanity's need, and of humanity's responsibility. There's just so much packed into this short phrase. Second, there's a lot of variety in this prayer. The prayer represents the full range of spiritual topics. The glory of God, the reign of God, the will of God, and the needs of people. It's a remarkable prayer. It's a powerful and effective summary of the gospel of Jesus. The prayer is truly a revolutionary prayer to pray. This is the way of life. In the last three weeks, we've prayed for God's will to be known and revealed, for God's kingdom to come, for God's will to be done. And then today, we're going to look at this part of the prayer that might feel the most practical, at least it does to me. Give us today our daily bread. I imagine that much of what we pray typically throughout the day or the week would fit in the category labeled our daily bread. These are the kinds of things we just naturally pray about, usually quite a bit. There's a plainness to this prayer that I appreciate. I don't have to work too hard to understand bread. I love bread. I will eat bread today. We're going to send bread home with all of you on your way out today. Right away on the surface, we get this prayer. And there's a certain level of comfort to that. And then, of course, like there's this level that we get. And then there are are more levels. There are several layers to this prayer. And the deeper we dive into this prayer, give us this day our daily bread, the more beautiful it is, the more comforting it is, and ultimately, the more challenging it becomes. So the big idea today, God gives us what we really need. All right? All right? Super simple. Even a child could understand this. But let's dig into this prayer together this morning. Um, Give us today our daily bread. We're going to talk about basic needs. We're going to talk about manna. We're going to talk about Bethlehem. And then we'll end by talking about communion. You ready to go? Okay. Big breath. Here we go. Let's start with basic needs. In the context of this prayer, bread means bread. (laughs) That's what it means. It also means everything else you need. Bread is this very basic food. It seems like everywhere I've traveled in the world, which isn't a lot of places, but there's a basic element to the meal that is essentially a bread. In Nicaragua, it's a tortilla. It's a wrap, right, of corn or flour. In Ethiopia, it's a thing called injera, which is this fermented bread, spongy, made of teff. In Italy, it's Italian bread, I guess. It's like there's olive oil at every meal. There's the bread and there's the oil, even at breakfast. At my house, it's pancakes. Very cultural experience, Saturday mornings. That's the basic bread. We understand Jesus is teaching his disciples to ask God not just for this single traditional element of a meal, but for our most basic needs. That is essentially the request. But it's more than just our most basic needs. It's all of our basic. It's like everything that we need. A lot is written about the phrase daily bread and how it should be translated into English. It's not the bread part that's confusing. It's what is intended by the word daily Some suggest the bread of our necessity. Some suggest our sustaining bread. Others, the bread we need. Somehow, at the essence of this prayer is the idea of basic needs. It feels a little weird to me, frankly, that Jesus would teach us to ask God for our basic needs. Because just a few sentences later in the same chapter, in the same sermon, Jesus is going to say, don't worry about your life. What you eat or drink about your body, what you'll wear, is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothes? And then Jesus will direct his listeners to look at the the birds of the air, the flowers of the field. Notice how carefully and um, sufficiently God provides for these and how much more important than these things are his children. And then Jesus reiterates, so don't worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? So Jesus teaches us not to worry, but he also teaches us to ask God for what we need, which seems a little strange. Why would he do that? I I think the reason is because God's a good father, and he loves to hear his children express to him their basic needs. He loves, like a good father does, to see his children coming to him and saying, this is What I need, and I believe you can help me with this. I'm trusting you to take care of this. The invitation when it comes to our need is to be like children, not worried, but coming to our parents for provision. And then as we mature, the goal is to remain childlike by recognizing the simple truth that everything we have is a gift from God. Everything we have. Everything we have is given to us by our Father in heaven. So God is a good parent. God gives us what we really need. This is a childlike request. At the same time, it's a mature acknowledgement. Right? It's a childlike request. It also carries this very mature recognition that everything I have is a gift from God. It's the act of looking to God as the giver and the supplier of our needs. All of them, food, resources, relational needs, physical healing, spiritual healing, Looking to God for hope and for faith and for love. God is interested in human needs. He doesn't seem to distinguish between the physical and the spiritual. That's a distinction that we often kind of camp out in. But God's a good parent. So he's connected to and concerned with whole health, physical and spiritual. Daily bread covers it all. The complicated personal psychological need, like the need for confidence, as well as the simplest, most basic needs like food, water, and shelter. Let me end this basic needs part with a quote from J.I. Packer. He has a book called Praying the Lord's Prayer. I think this is powerful. He says, bread stands here for all of life's necessities and the means of supplying them. Thus, bread covers all food, so the prayer is for farmers and against famine. Again, the prayer covers clothing, shelter, and physical health. So the prayer becomes an intercession for social and medical services. Or again, the prayer covers money and the power to earn, and so becomes a cry against poverty, against unemployment, against national policies that produce or prolong both. So the most basic level, and perhaps this is also the most beautiful level, you and I are invited by Jesus to bring our needs, all of them, to Jesus' Father, Who is also our Father, our Abba? Jesus teaches elsewhere that God is a good Father who loves to give good gifts to his children. All right, so basic needs. Now let's take this one layer deeper. I imagine when Jesus' disciples heard him say, give us today our daily bread, the story that came immediately to their mind was the story that their ancestors had shared with them going way, way back, thousand years to this experience of eating manna. During their decades of wandering in the desert after escaping slavery in Egypt, the exodus of the Hebrew people from slavery is the main event of the Old Testament. And in Exodus 16, this story is told where six weeks after being freed from slavery, they've run out of food. And so in the desert, they cry out for help. This is Exodus 16:4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and to gather enough for that day. People wake up the next morning. They go outside. There's these little white flakes everywhere. They taste like honey. They pick them up. They eat them. They don't know what it is. They call it manna. Verse 15, when the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, what is it? For they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone's to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person. That you have in your tent, the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. When they measured it by the omer, I don't even know what that is. I don't know, it's like a cup or something. One point, uh, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning. But it's full of maggots and began to smell so Moses was angry with them. So this is a famous story of God's provision that had been told and retold about the Hebrew history for more than a 1,000 years. And this is the story that's in the memory of the disciples as Jesus is teaching them to pray. There's two main points from the story. The first is that God had provided enough to meet everybody's basic needs. And the second point of the story is kind of surprising. Gathering more than you needed was forbidden It was a sign of disobedience, a lack of trust. If people tried to stockpile manna, it spoiled. So deep in the memory of the Jewish people um, is this decade-long experience of God providing daily bread for everyone. This was not a one-time miracle, friends. This lasted for 40 years. This is how these people ate for a couple of generations. God gave them their daily bread, literally. He supplied their needs. That is the main point of the story. The shadow side of the story is, in this case, if you gathered more than you needed, that was forbidden. And when people did it anyway, it just turned into this stinky, maggot-infested mess. It's a very memorable, visceral story. It communicates that God gives us our daily bread. And whereas we tend to think most of the time I don't have enough, probably most of the time our problem is is the very opposite. We have too much, and that's part of the problem. God gives us enough. We typically think we need more, so we defend and guard what we have, and we don't share it with others. We forget it was a gift to begin with. We believe we're entitled to it, and therein lies a lot of our problems, especially those that you and I deal with here in this culture. So let's go one layer deeper. Okay, we've talked about basic needs. We've talked about manna. Now let's talk about Bethlehem. After Jesus was baptized, before he began his ministry, he spent 40 days in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil. Three temptations are recorded. The first temptation was to use his divine power to supply his own physical nourishment. After fasting for 40 days, Jesus was hungry. Satan says to Jesus, if you really are the son of God, change these stones into bread. And Jesus responds by quoting from the manna story, from the Old Testament. He quotes not from Exodus' account but from Deuteronomy. And says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is essentially saying, God gives me what I really need. My Father will sustain me. Yes, we live on bread. Jesus says, but we don't live on bread alone. That's Matthew 4. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. You fast forward about a year, John records a story about Jesus multiplying two loaves of bread and a couple of fish to feed thousands of people, a huge crowd, who the next day, after eating their fill, say, on a Tuesday, show up again on Wednesday because why? They're hungry again. They want Jesus to feed them again. And to this huge crowd, Jesus says something that nobody expects him to say. And frankly, they hate it when he says it. I am the living bread, Jesus says, that came down from heaven. Can you imagine hearing that? Okay, you've grown up. You've got this manna story in your memory. Jesus, Jesus just fed you the day before. He's clearly a prophet. He's a miracle worker. And then Jesus busts out with, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Some honest kid in the crowd says, what's this bread? And Jesus says, this bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Almost everybody leaves. It's just too weird. Yeah, it's just too weird. They're not sure what he means by this. But then, about a year later, at dinner with his disciples, it's the last night he spends hanging out with his disciples. Jesus takes bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, he gives it to his disciples, and he says, Take, eat, this bread is my body. Do you know the name of the town where Jesus was born? What is it? Bethlehem. What does it mean? A house of bread. Jesus teaches us to pray, give us our daily bread, and he means food. He means physical provision, but he means so much more than just that. Jesus teaches his disciples a very powerful and challenging truth. This is the truth. It's also challenging for us. What is it? He is the bread of life. Jesus is the manna from heaven. Jesus is what sustains us. He's the one who keeps us going. Ultimately, what we need and what we're longing for, i.e., what we're hungering for, is the bread of the presence of Christ. God gives us what we really need. God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus, the bread from heaven, the living bread. One more layer. Let's do it. All right, one more layer. Let's talk about communion. In other words, so what? Okay. So, we got basic needs, and we've got manna from heaven, and then we've got this, this whole Bethlehem theme of bread throughout the life and teachings of Jesus. So, so, what? Teach us to pray, his disciples say. So, Jesus says, When you pray, say, Our Father, give us our daily bread. You notice the challenging pronouns there? It is not, My Father, give me my daily bread. It's our Father. It's our daily bread. I'm included in this, and so are you. But it's not my bread. And it's not your bread that we're praying for. It's our bread. That's what we're praying for. And that is so challenging. There are ramifications to the fact that God is providing for us. God is giving us what we need, both physically and spiritually. There are Sherp. personal ramifications like gratitude but there are way more social ramifications like we're supposed to share there's enough for everyone if we share like we're supposed to serve the church is made up of all of the gifts that it needs to thrive if we serve one another Selfishness has been a human vice since the beginning. Keeping too much for ourselves has been a problem since the wilderness when people are trying to bankroll manna. You can't pray the Lord's Prayer and think only of yourself. If you are, you're not paying attention to the pronouns. You can't follow Jesus without helping other people. I told some personal stories to begin today, but the big idea is really that God gives us what we really need. And so my response and your response, it should be to share with others what we've been given. Whether that's our home or our hope. Whether that's our food or our faith. Whether that's our money Or this conviction that every moment matters. As we faithfully live out this prayer, this way of life, we will, if we faithfully do it, if we faithfully live it out, we will give to others what we have received from God. We will give to others what has been given to us. Because we'll recognize it as such. And so we come to communion, which is both an object and an action. Come union. Union with. Union together. We come to one table. We come as one family. This is what we have in common. Paul, the apostle, chastised the early Christians in Corinth for minimizing, and in some cases missing, this communal, this shared imperative. Paul writes this. Is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we share in one loaf. And so, friends, this simple prayer, give us this day our daily bread. It is both a childlike request. Jesus invites us to make it about any need that we have. And it is also a mature recognition that everything we have, everything we have, has been given to us by God because God gives us what we really need. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Well, thank you, Lord, um, for inviting us into an experience with you that is not just about ourselves, but is about you and us and others. I pray, especially in our lives, in our homes, in our culture, in this season, when it's so easy to check out and just look out for ourselves, that we would faithfully follow you and that we would do so in joy knowing that your provision goes before us. All that we really need is, um, is ours from you. May we walk faithfully. May we live this prayer out. May our lives be filled with the blessing of your presence, and may others be affected by that blessing as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.